You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on today's America Web Radio. It's not yesterday's America Web Radio, but it's great to be with you today, David. It's a little rainy outside. Uh, I did take a look at the garden this morning, and uh, ain't nobody gardening nothing right now. It is like a lake down there. We had... I don't know if you were, I just happened to be awake at 2 o'clock this morning, but we had, yeah, you could, you got to say torrential rain. I uh, mean, yeah, it was it's just stunning, stunning amounts of rain. Uh, as of two days ago, my golf course near my house told me that they had had 14 inches of rain so far this year. That is, that is an immense amount of rain here. Uh, I, flash I, flood warnings all over the place. I've, uh, I don't, I just talked to Comcast a few minutes ago and, for some reason, my I'm getting on. It's two twelve on my TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Weather Channel. Right. It's the radar from the Weather Channel. I don't go to the Weather Channel right. itself. But anyway, so I'm I'm looking at it today, and and it's saying that uh, uh, Wednesday that it's going to rain and be snow. And I'm saying, wait a second. Then I looked up a little bit more and paid attention. I'm getting the Rome weather forecast. <laughs> Rome, Georgia. Now, but they it's going to snow in Rome on Wednesday? That's what they're saying. Oh, my uh, goodness. Well, not much. Just uh, rain. Uh, still, I didn't think it was going to be that cold, rains. though. I know it's going to be a little chillier Thursday and Friday yeah. when I will be enjoying the beautiful city of Las Vegas, uh, speaking at the, uh, the conference on law practice management. Why would you go and speak at a, at a situation like that when... You know good and well they're going to keep it there. What goes in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this, though. I want to thank uh, my friend uh, Peter Ashman uh, and uh, and his colleagues in the Nevada Bar, uh, Nevada Immigration Section of the of the Nevada Chapter of the of the American Immigration Lawyers Association for sponsoring this conference and for inviting me. Uh, I'm looking looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, a lot of times we go to these legal education seminars to learn about the law. But every, every immigration lawyer I know that has their own practice uh, is actually a business person. I mean, I'm a small business owner, just like you're a small business owner. And, you know, how do you employ people? What are the rules for employing people? How do you promote people? How do you treat people? How do you engage in the practice of law? And if there's one thing they do not teach you in law school, it's how to run a business, which is why you get a lot of lawyers that make uh, decent money but have no money to spend. Uh, and uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun. This will be my fourth week in a row speaking at a conference on immigration law. Yes, it's been a very long month uh, for me, a lot of travel. Uh, but don't worry, there's some fun travel coming up, Dave. In effect, uh, I, I will be going to Cuba in April. Well, you and the president. I'm going to me, but he's going in March. So I won't be accompanying the president. Um, but I will be going, I will be going on a... Uh, uh, a cultural exchange program. Um, <laughs> hey, come on. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, I want to see the 58 Chevy before it goes the way yeah. of Bird and everybody in Havana is driving Teslas in a few years. They're going to skip the entire crappy years of Detroit. Think about this. If you were in Havana, you never had to drive a crap mobile from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> well, not all of them were bad in the 70s and 80s. Oh, well. my gosh. There were so many bad cars coming out of coming out of, these, coming out of uh, Detroit in those years. They skipped them all. They go right to the great cars of the 2020s. Yeah. <laughs> and the 1950 Chryslers and 54 Chryslers that oh, they I got. Think, I think the, uh, yeah, the 50s. I mean, the 50 cars they drive, and it's... 
tanks. Kind of interesting to think about that. So I'm, I'll be going to uh, to Havana on that, and I'm kind of looking forward to that with a group of immigration lawyers, actually. And well, tell Fidel hello for me. Yeah, Fidel, uh, did you hear Raul is going to stop being president? Raul? He's going to step aside, yeah. So yeah. the Castros will stop being uh, the kings of uh, kings of Cuba, and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I frankly think that the that the embargo was a, was it became a joke. The reality is, it wasn't working anyway. We're the only country embargoing them. Nobody else was embargoing them, um, and it was really to our detriment in many ways. So, while I know that uh, when uh, Ted Cruz or, or Marco Rubio become president of the United States, they're somehow going to end that treaty, which they're not going to do. Uh, you and I, let's, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Not the only thing I am concerned about is Guantanamo. And your president's supposed to be making a speech on it. He is. As we During, s- while we speak today, yeah. I don't know what he's speaking about. Closing uh, Guantanamo. Well, the reality is we own Guantanamo. We, don't own, we, we lease Guantanamo for a dollar for every hundred years or something like that from that's the Cuban government. Uh, uh, and that's basically until the end of time. Uh, so Guantanamo itself is a military base. I mean, the, the prison part of Guantanamo... It's actually a very small part of, of our military base. Well, you know, so the base itself will continue. Obama, well, Obama's unless he announces not, I don't know. Who knows what he's going to announce today? Yeah, I don't have yeah. any idea. And that was one of the things that, uh, you know, well, you can't stop me because I I do have the authority to uh, pull the troops out of it. Well, he does have the authority. Yeah, no. That's called that's called being commander in chief. I don't think it'd be a very brilliant idea because having a military base in the Caribbean is not such a bad thing for us in many no. ways. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he made a campaign pledge. He was going to close the, the, the prison part of Guantanamo. And I was just thinking on the way over, I saw that announcement briefly flash on the television. I thought, this guy's not really acting like a lame duck, is he? He, you know, I think he's like, whatever, I'm the president. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And, he, and he's going to do it. I think he's, if he had been this proactive early on in his presidency, one, we would have had immigration reform. Right? <laughs> I mean, he's not timid anymore. He's very timid as a as a new president, uh, which is why I don't want somebody timid in the White House. Like, I'm tired of timid, 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 timid presidents. I want, I want a bold president like John Kasich moving in there. Uh, David, let's talk about this whole election thing that's going on. Are you going to call in, by the way, this afternoon if we have uh, Kasich on? I would love to call in. If it, I'm actually going to meet John Kasich tonight. Yeah, well, he's... Uh, he's here in Sandy Springs, uh, yeah, yeah. and he's going to be speaking at, he's at noon. He's at, he's at Kennesaw. Today and at at five thirty, he's at the Sandy Springs Town Hall, which is down the road from us. And he goes, "Don't know where we're located. We're in Atlanta, but we're on the north side of Atlanta in a in a town called Sandy Springs. So it's Greater Atlanta Metro Area, but actually it's Sandy Springs. It's OTP outside the perimeter for the most part. Uh, and uh, and then at seven o'clock, there's going to be a meeting with him, uh, a fundraising dinner with him uh, at uh, Hudson Grill. So if anybody wants to come to the fundraiser and you're hearing this live, please let me know. We'd love to have you come on down." Um, and I'm just excited because he's the last governor standing, right? And what I like about oh, yeah. him being the last governor standing, he's the last governor standing, and he's the only guy in the GOP left that supports rational immigration reform and understands we can't deport our way out of the problem. Ted Cruz said yesterday that he would initiate a program the day he is sworn in to have ICE agents begin picking people up to deport them from the United States. Um, which basically is what Obama's doing anyways. So I don't know, it's not really any difference what Obama's doing at this point. Uh, somebody posted on my Facebook page when I posted that, yeah, but under Cruz's program, you also get a punch in the face as you walk out the door. So it's a little <laughs> bit extra. Uh, and this is for good measure, and you're gone. Uh, very demagoguery. Oh, so Sanders is going to give him a free education on the yeah. way out. I, I think uh, listening to the numbers, it appears to me 
you know, in order to get a nomination, you have to get a certain number of delegates in both parties. Uh, Hillary's going to, I mean, what did I, did you write what I wrote, said down like a year ago, Dave? You still had it written down somewhere. Hillary will be the nominee. Mm-hmm. And I also said Hillary will be the president, right? I said that. Um, and you wrote that down. And what's going to happen? Hillary's going to be the nominee. So um, all my Sanders friends are like freaking out. Oh, no, no. Hillary's evil. Yeah, I know. People say that. Um, uh, Bernie's going to win. Well, Bernie's not going to win. Uh, well, he's not really a socialist. He's a Democrat. So there's a big difference. Eh, not the most people. Uh, not the most people. There's really no difference in that. And uh, so Bernie has no path to the nomination. But he's going to win Vermont next week with all three delegates at Vermont, guess, or whatever they get. But Hillary's going to win every state in the South and walk out with like 900 delegates and the race is over. Bernie has no path forward. Well, Bernie's going to win Colorado, whatever. He's not going to win Texas. Uh, and that's where the big chunk of the delegates are. But look into the GOP. So Bernie... Had a nice run. It's great to hear from you. Whatever. All right. Um, And thank you for changing your position to be pro-immigration finally on all issues, not just the ones that suit you at the time. Uh, And then on the GOP side, we're down to five. Now, do we really count Ben Carson anymore? Is he really in the race anymore? I mean, he got got like five or six percent. Who's voting for Ben Carson? The people who like a nice guy. He seems like a really nice guy. Rubio said something the other day. Ted Cruz pissed off Ben Carson. You know what you have to do to piss off Ben Carson? <laughs> <laughs> the most mild-mouthed guy on the planet. Well, that, so that disqualifies Cruz. So Ben Carson's still in the race, but really we're down to four main candidates. So you've got uh, the Trumpeter. You've got Rafael Cruz, Rafael Teodoro Cruz. You've got Marco Rubio. And you've got John Kasich. Um, and i got to say that right. It's Kasich, like a K, even though it's a C-H. Very European, very German. Okay. Um, does Trump have a path to the nomination? Absolutely he does. I mean, he's going to win. He's going to keep winning states in the context of getting the most votes out of the five or four, uh, but he's not getting majorities anywhere. I mean, he's getting, he seems to be capping out about 33, 34, 35%. So that means there's still 65% of the GOP that wants something else. But those 65% are not coalescing around one candidate because here's what's interesting, David. There appear to be four factions in the GOP. Well, three certainly, but probably four factions in the GOP. The 35% reflect very angry people, regardless of background, education, that these people are just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they're proud to stand up for Trump, and good for them. Then you've got the what was called the Ted Cruz part of the party, who's really been trying to court evangelical Christians, but he hadn't got he didn't even get the majority. He got Trump beat him in evangelical Christians, which which means means that evangelicals and Christians don't care about voting for somebody who's clearly not believing like them. Uh, so why'd they vote against Romney? Why didn't they vote for Romney last time is my question. If they're gonna vote Trump now, why would they vote for Romney? Um, so he's got no path for it. He's got he in fact may lose in his home state. Now if he loses on the first of March in his home state He's done. I mean, there's no... If you don't win your home state, you're toast. Uh, Rubio. So that, that part of the party is kind of a narrow... Let's call them the conserv- the, the, the socially conservative wing of the party. All right? And that appears to be about 20%. So now we got 55%. If Cruz goes, where's, where do those people go? Don't know yet. Then you've got the, uh, uh, the Rubio 22%, 23 24% of the party. Another quarter of the party right there. Uh, and they're the ones that are kind of mainstreamy, 
don't mind voting for somebody with no political experience. Uh, view him as the candidate of the future, regardless of his life experience. And then you've got the rest. Now we're only down, it's only like 15%, 20%. And that's kind of where Kasich is going to be, I think. Now, you're not going to win anything at 15 20%, but the thing is Kasich in the South, where these primaries are, is not super strong. Although I think he's going to do pretty well here in, in, in Georgia. Once you move to the North, you get out of the evangelical belt, and you get out of... For, so Cruz is, Cruz is dead in the North. He's not going to win anything in the North. Um, and Rubio is probably going to lose Florida, his home state. So how can you nominate somebody who's not even going to win their home state? Casey's going to win his home state, and he's going to win it big. He's going to win Pennsylvania. He's going to win Michigan. Uh, he's going to win a number of the northern states that will be coming up here against Trump, or at least be number two to Trump. If, if, the, if the group of four or three can deprive Trump of a majority of the votes, of, of the delegates going forward, then they have a convention process. But now we begin to get into states that give away all their delegates to the, quote, winner. So as my sister wisely said, I mean, somebody, somebody needs to get out. Now, she thinks everybody should get out but Rubio, and I think everybody should get out but, but Kasich. So we don't agree on the person who needs to get out, and that's really the problem right now. Um, and that means that Trump becomes more and more likely candidate. Um, I don't know, David. I, I, I just have a really hard time voting for somebody uh, like uh, – well, I certainly would never vote for Cruz. I mean, he's just not a nice person, so I wouldn't vote for him. I certainly am not going to vote for Trump. Um, uh, and uh, so both of those guys would likely chase me to Gary Johnson in the Libertarian, which is a meaningless vote. Um, and then we got Rubio and Cruz. And Rubio, I could have been persuaded on until he said that he would end the DACA the day he got put into office, which is, again, yet another change in his position on immigration. Let's come back and talk more about Rubio's constantly moving immigration positions here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We were just talking about Marcos Rubio's uh, 
or as I say, Marco Rubio's constantly shifting position on immigration. Uh, and we, you know, obviously the Cruz campaign has attacked him on this. The Trump campaign attacked him on this. Hey, even Bush attacked him on this. Kasich has not attacked really anybody but Trump, and he has really been pretty mild in that. Um, you look at uh, Rubio, who was for the Gang of Eight bill, because he was part of the Gang of Eight before he was against the Gang of Eight bill, and now he, and then he was like, well, I know the DACA program is probably not, you know, I probably wouldn't have done that, but, you know, I think we need to get rid of it, but let's first deal with immigration reform, and yet, and yet two days ago he comes out and he says, no, the day I'm sworn in as president is the day I end deferred action for childhood arrivals. Really? You think that's a wise move? And so I, that's where I lost any chance I would have voted for Rubio disappeared when he said that. Now, maybe he'll rechange his position. If he becomes the nominee, maybe he'll rechange his position again. Who knows? I mean, obviously well, why he'll... Why are you trying to pin a politician down? That's You know, David, that. all I... Well, you know what? Trump Obviously, Trump hasn't changed his position, unless you count all the times he's changed his position. Have you seen, by the way, the video of Stephen Colbert interviewing Donald Trump and Donald Trump at the same time? <laughs> no. it's, it's absolutely hilarious. So he, does, he asks a question and asks the same question. He gets two different answers from two different Donald Trumps. It's absolutely, absolutely hilarious. Very, very funny. As, as only Stephen Colbert could do. Very, very funny. Um, and uh, so Rubio, while I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of Latino friends who really like Rubio, you know, he is not going to be good on a lot of different issues for people. who, And I think they would be very disappointed because they're going to get a guy that's very malleable. Uh, and we've had a guy who's very malleable in the White House for the last eight years. Not that I'm advocating for George Bush, and he was in many ways quite tr- intransigent, in, in, and I don't want a guy who's intransigent either, but I want a guy who has, a, has a, a set of core values, and I honestly don't know what Rubio's core values are at this point. Um, <laughs> He's like every other politician. What are, what, what are their core values? Me. You know, I don't, I, 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 David, I refuse to, to, to delve into the cynicism, cynical world in which you live. <laughs> I, I don't think that every politician is like that. There are, I know good politicians. I know politicians okay. who Could try to that, do consistently what they believe is correct. Give me that list. Oh, you're writing a list down? I think John Kasich should be at the top of that list. Now, people, people who don't like Kasich are going to disagree with me. Do, oh, no, said he I, funded was, Planned Parenthood in him, Iowa. But. I liked him when he was a representative. He was a good and, representative. Uh, he was a very good representative, and he's done a heck of a job for Ohio. Done a great I, job in Ohio. No question. I mean, really. I mean, I don't know if he could do that for America, but I'm willing to give a guy with, with a record of accomplishments and success a chance to try. Uh, now, of course, everybody's still talking that John Case is going to be somebody's vice president. And I would be radically disappointed if he agreed to be Donald Trump's vice president. Well, he said yesterday he wouldn't be anybody's vice president. Oh, did he say that? Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad he, he said, said I'm not running for vice, vice president. president. Good for him. And for him. I'm not interested in it. Good. I've got the second best job in the world, world and that's governor of, Ohio. Um, governor of Ohio. And and I'm running for the first or the, the best, best job, best in, job the in the world. Well, that's I'm glad he said that. I'm glad he said that. That actually it raises my, my belief in him actually much more. Well, give him another $5 tonight. I will give him a little bit more than that. But, yes, I will certainly give him uh, $5 tonight. Uh, maybe you can come and give him $5 tonight. I wasn't invited. You, I can invite you. You can come. You want to come? It's Hudson Grill right down the road here. You're welcome yeah. to come, 7 o'clock. Love Seven. to see you there. Come bring on my, down. Bring my checkbook. Bring your checkbook. 250 bucks. 250 you get to You get to talk and meet with John Kasich for an hour. Ah. I can do it for free if he's... Calls in like if he is, are you expecting him to call into the show yeah. today or to your shows today? Mm. 
That'd be great. I mean, I think it'd be wonderful. Make sure you text me or email me if he's doing that, because sure. I, I would then call in as well. Um, and you we'll can say, say yeah, we'll you know, censor your call. You can say one of our hosts is a big fan and uh, very happy with your immigration position uh, as an immigration lawyer. Uh, I just think he really understands where we're going. But let's look at the people. Okay, so now we got Kasich, and you know he may end up not being not being the person. And I, and I get that. That's just the way it is. Sometimes you don't get, you always get what you want. All of my Bush friends, you know, they're they're now switching over to Rubio or Kasich. Um, and everybody expected great things from Bush, who never really seemed interested in running for president of the United States. I think he did it for mom and dad and his brother, and that was about it. Um, so let's look at who actually is still running for president and what it means for immigration. I especially want to look at Donald Trump. Um, David, do you think it's accurate to say that 35% of the Republican Party could be classified as anti-immigrant? I think you could say 35% are uneducated. Okay, well, certainly that's the case. Uh, uh, For many of Donald Trump's people, given the videos I've seen. Uh, But it's interesting, Donald Trump won a lot of different demographics, including some people with college degrees. He won that demographic in South Carolina, so... Uh, at least he got the most votes out of that demographic. He didn't, he didn't get 50%, okay, but he got some. Um, but he is, the the very first words out of his mouth when he announced for president was that Mexico's winning, they're sending their rapists um, and criminals to the United States, he's going to deport everybody in large numbers, it's gonna, he's going to make it harder to hire high-skilled immigrants, he's going to block Muslims from coming in. Here's my question. Does Trump, if that's his rhetoric going to a general election, does that reflect where America is? And I don't think it does. It seems to me that Trump is actually out of step with what a large section of Americans believe. A growing majority believe that immigration should either be kept at its current levels or actually increased. I was having a really interesting conversation Saturday at an event that I was speaking at on leadership uh, for uh, individuals from the Galeo uh, George, Georgia Association of Senior Elected Officials in their leadership class, talking about leadership issues and talking about where America is in the context of immigration and where our economy is. And what's interesting about the, the, whole, the whole thing this works, Donald Trump's rhetoric fits into a 1990s kind of context. Build a wall, close the border, stop immigration – but demographically and economically doesn't really sell in, the tw- in this part of the 21st century. You know, we know, for example, there are countries in the world, for example, like Italy, which have a really struggling economy because their demographics are shrinking. They actually have a shrinking population. We look at Japan, which has a rapidly shrinking population, not enough kids being born, not enough people replacing workers in the workforce, too many people supporting retired people. And so their economy literally hasn't grown in decades because they've had this problem for decades. If we subtract immigrants and immigration from our demographic, we are becoming quickly like Japan and Italy. We don't have that that internal demographic growth. Why is it? Well, that's okay. No problem, Chuck. Why do we need to to grow as a country? I like being 320 million people. Here's the problem with not growing economically and population-wise. Now, I'm not an economist, and some economists may, may challenge me on this, and if you, if you do, I'd love to hear from you. But don't you really need a growing population to support a growing economy? 
you hear Trump talk a lot. They're taking our jobs. They're, uh, they're or, or they're they're ste- they're stealing work from Americans. We got Americans out of work or not in the workforce. Is there really only X number of jobs and no more in the U.S. economy? I don't know a single economist who believes that. Jobs grow and increase in numbers because businesses grow and increase in numbers. Some businesses shrink as well and disappear. We've seen the shrinking of the manufacturing sector and an increase in the service sector over the last decade. Um, but if you're a Trump guy, you're saying, hey, he, these, these undocumented immigrants took my job. Well, what job did they take of yours? The grass-cutting job? The dishwashing job? Uh, the, the, the unskilled labor job? What, what exactly did they take of yours? And if we cut them out of our economy and deport them, as, as Ted Cruz or as, Bill, as, as Donald Trump say, who is actually going to do that work? Uh, I was talking to a restaurant owner on Friday who needs help with some issues on their workforce. And I just asked him, hey, you know how long you've been? We've been in business 30 years. They have a chain of like 50 restaurants. I said, well, in the last decade, when you run ads or put help wanted ads out, how many U.S. citizens, white or black U.S. citizens applied? Zero, he said. In fact, it's not the last 10 years. It's the last 20 years. We literally, literally, every now and then somebody will walk in and we'll hire them, but they're gone the next day. Or they don't show up for work because they're drunk or there's a problem with drugs and they don't pass a drug screen. So we, we literally, if, without much of our Latino workforce, not, not about waiters and waiters, people behind the scenes, you're just not going to have... You know, restaurants are going to close. Uh, agriculture is going to close. Oh, we can bring in foreign workers. Wait a second. I thought you wanted to reduce our dependence on foreign workers. So are you going to make people from the inner city, hey, you want a job? You need to move to Iowa and, uh, and start cutting up, eviscerating uh, beef and, and, and chopping up pork. Uh, it's uh, the whole Donald Trump phenomenon about this backlash against immigrants is really very, con- very contrary to what the polls say. Gallup did a survey last summer. That's been, and it's been doing it for decades, asking American families to share their feelings on immigration. And never before in the in this decades they've been doing this has there been such a strong pro-immigration consensus. Think about that. As of, as of last summer, 25% of Americans said the country should accept more immigrants, with another 40% supporting the current number. So 65% of Americans support what we have or more, that leaves a third advocating for tighter immigration restrictions, a number that's been declining over the last decade. Um, I mean, you go back to 1993 when the height of the anti-immigration sentiments came abroad, and it was 65% wanted to decrease immigration. And that just completely, right now it's at its lowest level really since the 80s on immigration. Uh, So Donald Trump seems to be out of touch with what a majority of Americans have to say. So if his rhetoric continues on this issue, uh, does he have any chance in a general election against against Hillary or against your candidate, Joe Biden, in the general election? I think, he gets, I think this is an issue he gets crushed on. He gets absolutely crushed on. The other thing that we have to educate more people about are the changing demographics of the people that have been sending us immigrants. Mexico. Now, we've repeated this several times on the show over the years, uh, last couple of years, but Mexicans birth, Mexico's birth rate is below replacement level. The days in which families had 10, 12, 13 kids are over in Mexico. 
the idea that moms and dads are going to be sending their kids to America to get jobs to support them back home are gone. Most Mexicans are staying in place at home. Their education system is functioning. Uh, their government is quasi-functioning. Um, yes, they've got problems with drugs and gangs and stuff like that, but you know, for many people, it's a better option than leaving their family and coming north. So to be, we're not going to be faced with this flood, this literal flood under the Bush administration of millions of immigrants a year coming in. Now, we have other countries that will be sending us their immigrants at the same time. We see Central America as a problem right now. But that's not a demographic problem. That's a, that's a societal problem. That's a governmental problem in those countries. You cure those governmental problems, we can solve that problem as well. Uh, let's take uh, our next break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. And we'll be back to talk more about these trends and where we're going forward on immigration in our society today. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Um... David, before we get back into the politics, is I saw an interesting article yesterday from a, uh, let's say, a, a rather conservative website alleging that Obama wants uh, undocumented immigrants to vote in American elections. Uh, and uh, I was, it was rather entertaining take on a case out of Kansas uh, in regards to federal election rules. Um, and what, what struck me about this is that it's clearly written from a position of massive ignorance because if an undocumented immigrant votes, they then become permanently ineligible for immigration benefits, period. Not only is it a crime federally for an undocumented immigrant to vote, it is an immigration violation that subjects you to deportation that is unforgivable. So this idea that undocumented immigrants are going to rush out to vote is crazy. Now, at the same time, what does cause me concern uh, are states like Oregon and California, which have registered everybody who has a driver's license to vote. 
because actually even registering to vote can cause you to be to be plagued under this immigration particular provision. Um, and so I, I think I fully favor all U.S. citizens being automatically registered to vote. Do you have a problem with that, David? R- registered to vote. Registered, David. Do you have any problem with that? Registered. Registered. Okay. Right. So David agrees with me. Everybody should be registered to vote. Now, as the question is, who votes? That's entirely up to the individual. No, I, no as a matter of fact, I'm at the point I don't agree with that either. You don't agree with that either. No. Why don't you agree with registering all U.S. citizens to vote? You know, we've had this discussion. You and I haven't, but uh, some other host and I have had the discussion. And I, I guess, uh, you know, why is Trump doing well? Because people are sick and tired of being sick and tired, just like you said. And well, a, it's very, a minority of the GOP feels that way. Well, let's let's I'm be sure. sure. It's a minority of the GOP who feels that way. I'm not so sure it's that big of a, of a minority. Uh, and you know, we have 47 to 52 percent of the public that potentially can vote. And uh, I think Jefferson was the one that said that. You know, you keep voting yourself to the point that you vote yourself out of business, mm-hmm. and that's what they're basically doing. They, you know, you know, it's like I know your buddy, uh, Mr. Sanders, running. You listen to him, and he promises everything, but the reality is, we couldn't afford him. It wouldn't happen. There's no, we don't have enough money to. There's not enough money from the forty-five to fifty percent of the taxpayers. So my my thing is I, I'm about ready to say that if if you're on welfare, if you're not contributing to my society, then you can be registered to vote, but you can't vote until you're a taxpayer again, and have you're putting money into the system instead of just taking it. Well, that's an interesting perspective on that. I think we fought a civil war about stuff like that. Maybe it's time for a second one. You know, the reality is people will people vote against their self-interest. I think the majority of Donald Trump voters have done so so far. I think they're all voting against their self-interest. Uh, if you think Donald Trump's going to go into office and represent the little guy, you are completely mistaken. He has only one guy on his mind as president of the United States, and that guy's name is, is Donald J. Trump. That's the only person he cares about when he gets elected. Um, on the flip side, I believe voting is absolutely important for people because it enables them to, in a, in a, in a republic like we have, it's the only way you can control who represents you going forward. And because we have a republic that is pretty evenly divided, which is interesting, think about this. Uh, why are we so close to 50-50? Why is America aren't we more united in how we believe? Well, how, how is it that we can divide and be divided almost 50% on all the issues? That just seems, given what is, what is and I'm not a demographic, I'd sort of love to hear somebody about that, why do we seem to break down in this 50-50 split on so many issues? Uh, we all go to the same public schools. No, we don't. We all grow up in the same circumstances. No, we don't. Uh, we, we all have similar backgrounds. No, we don't. Um, yet, we seem to divide 50-50. I, I'm, I'm just really curious. I see a lot of my friends where I grew up. I see where they fall on the political spectrum. I see where I fall on the political spectrum. And I see people who grew up in very different circumstances where they fall. And I can understand 
from a background, from a social social justice standing, from an immigration perspective, from a, an economic perspective, why people vote certain ways. Um, what I don't understand sometimes is why some people would vote against their economic and social interest. Most people, I guess, are going to vote for their economic and social interest. I'll give you an example where, where that's kind of weird, where it doesn't happen. You look at a state like West Virginia, which is v- one of our poorer states, uh, but which is a large majority white. A lot of poor white people live in West Virginia. And yet they tend to vote these days for Republicans who are saying cut welfare, cut these benefits, cut public spending, programs that typically benefit these people. So they're one of the few people who are voting against their economic or social interest for the most part. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they are. Because if they were self-interested in... I want to make sure I can get welfare. I want to make sure I can get Medicare. I want to make sure I can get public benefits. They wouldn't vote Republican. Well, what's the main in- industry of West Virginia? It's mining. Mining. So it used who, to be. Who knows what it is now? Yeah, who's destroyed mining? That's been the Democrats. Well, so if they're voting has. Republican, I don't think it's. It, it's. Even I think it though, is self-interest. Individually, that might be the macro issue in the state. But the micro issue is what's good for me. I mean, I always go back to, to the, the field of dreams. The movie The Field of Dreams, uh, when Ray is, is finally talking to Sheila's Joe Jackson, look, I did all this stuff for you, told me to do this, I did that. I said, what are you asking for, Ray? What's your question? He said, well, what's in it for me? Why do, you know, why, you know, why do I get out of all this? That's the question that some voters certainly ask. Now, people on the right would say that's the question that, that Democrats ask, and Democrats on the left would say that's the, Republican, that's the question Republicans ask, but some people vote against their self-interest. I know people that are, are that are very wealthy that would typically say, well, I'd rather pay less taxes, I'm going to vote Republican, but they vote Democrat. Because even though it's against their economic interests, maybe in their social interest, it's for that. Immigration is one of those issues, David, that kind of cuts right down the middle of all that stuff. Immigration is not a top five issue for most people. It is for me. But it's not a top five people for most, for most people. Uh, and it helps them under, for some people it helps them understand, well, I want to support somebody who supports immigration because I need somebody who will understand the macroeconomic and societal issues that come from immigration. Or my job is threatened, my life is threatened, my society and town is threatened by immigration. I'm going to vote for somebody who's going to stop that from happening. So I'm going to vote for a Trump. Um, given the split we talked about in Amer- on polls in America, where 65% support the same or increasing immigration and 35% support reducing immigration, um, how do we account for Trump except to say that 35% is what supports him and it's why he's running into a, quote, wall, uh, a gilded wall with his name on it, um, because he can't get higher than that because his message doesn't resonate beyond that 35%. But I, I think... As you were putting the 35 and the 65 together uh, to make your 100%, I think you've got probably 97% out of that 100% that really don't have a clue about immigration. They may say they do, and you've got one side yelling for a wall to be built, and you got the other side, you know, who knows what they're saying, educate and feed, and neither side knows what they're talking about. 
Well, that's I, that's actually quite true. You know, which is a shame. Uh, <clears throat> and you got you got radicals on both sides that you know. I, I agree. It's really it, really interesting. Uh, uh, but voting, I, I David, I think the more people vote, the better for America. The, uh, I do, I, I do, but I do believe this. I believe there are too many people voting that are not educating themselves about their candidate and how their candidate will help both them and society in general. One of the reasons I really love a lot of my friends that support Bernie Sanders, I think many of them are very thoughtful people. And they think outside themselves, some of them. Okay? Some are in it because they want a free education. But most of them, most people I know that's Bernie supporters, they're, they're extraordinary people. They are selfless. They are very concerned about social justice. They're very concerned about where we're going as a country. And I get that. I get that. Um, but at the same time, you have to weigh those factors, in my opinion, against the needs of, 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 of the one, about the individual. You can't have a successful society if you don't have people who are contributing to it financially. So unless you have six financially successful people who pay taxes, you're not going to have programs people who aren't able to pay taxes. And there has to be a social contract, really, with people that say, look, I'm willing to pay more taxes, but here's what I want in return. I mean, the, the reason that, that Bernie's also going to have a limit is people are going to say, well, what's in it for me? Okay, Bernie, what's in it for me? If I'm, if I'm financially successful, I've got my own house, I've got my own business, uh, I don't need the types of welfare for me or my kids you're talking about, why would I support you? Uh, now, Hillary... I mean, Hillary you know, typically touts a standard you know, Democratic line. You know, the government can help people. And I, David, I, in this way, I'm kind of a more liberal Republican. I, government has its role. I mean, there's things government has to do. I mean, somebody's got to take care of the roads. Somebody's got to pay the fire department. Somebody's got to pay the police department. Somebody's got to make sure that things are regulated. I don't want my food to have poop floating in it. I mean, I, there's things in a modern society in the 21st century that a government must do. No argument. Uh, but there are things the government does that they shouldn't be involved should in. They, should they tell you what you have in your vending machine or don't have? No, absolutely not. They shouldn't be able to tell you what's in your vending machine. But they should be able to tell you that the crap in your vending machine is properly monitored, regulated, and will not kill you. Okay? Well, that, that they should be able uh, to do. To not okay? kill you, yeah. And, yeah and, but I'm and, not talking about eating a lot of Twinkies. I mean, if you don't allowed to eat Twinkies, then really we've lost everything in America. Um, but it, as long as that stuff in that machine has been, the, the plants have been inspected, you're not eating rat poop, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't care what goes in a vending machine. But I'm talking something greater than that. You know, there are things that a government must do. We, we are together for our national defense. Why, but why do we need a military that's bigger than the 20 next militaries around the world? Why do we need that? Let's take uh, our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy 
or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now, speaking of voting, David, um, big new initiative by Univision, which is the ABC, CBS, NBC of Spanish media. Oh, you lost your station, Al Jazeera. Yes. <laughs> David, I know all that money you invest in is down the drain, but just have faith. They'll be able to come back. Um, Univision has launched a campaign to register 3 million new Latino voters. Big deal. Will 3 million voters, can that make a difference in American election? <laughs> we know it can. Yeah, we know it can. can. We, you only need one state, right? Well, one vote. One, I mean, really. One hanging, they, hanging, one hanging chat. Yeah. Um, and so you have all these young voters and, and older Latinos that are naturalizing. They're going to have power to move elections in states like Colorado, which is a kind of a purple state. North Carolina, which is kind of a purple state. Georgia's not quite there yet. Florida. Um, and you go up to the, up to the north. They're going to have power to move oh, Ohio. I mean, remember Ohio back in 2000, was it 2000? That Bush won Ohio, if I may be right about this, maybe it was 04, 60,000 votes. And that's not a lot of votes in the grand scheme of things. And if that state same today and you have 80,000 Latinos voting one way, the, the power of Latino vote becomes remarkable, um, remarkable in the context of, uh, uh, of how, how much... Uh, influence it could have. I know we, I have seen a rapid increase in the number of people applying for citizenship right now. And I tell people, look, if you can apply before March, certainly before April, you will likely be sworn in by September. And as long as you're sworn in by September I think 30th, you can register to vote in Georgia. I think one month before the election. So, uh, and, and that's the government's fiscal year. I know the, I know the CIS has set a goal to naturalize, you know, several million people this year, um, and there's clearly going to be, I think, big, big influence from new voters because new, new citizens are much more likely to vote than individuals who have uh, have not that that are old citizens that have been around for a long time. I'm uh, I'm actually really kind of excited uh, about this. I, I think this initiative is going to pay huge dividends for for the Latino community going forward. And it's going to be something that is very much going to shake up the national politic. Um, Trump talks about how he's going to win the Latino vote. Trump is not going to win the Latino vote, obviously. Um, but uh, 
it is it's going to cost him states if he's the candidate. Now, if Cages is the candidate, he actually may win states because uh, in order to win the in order to win the presidency, Trump has got to get around thirty percent of the Latino vote. You think there's any chance he can get thirty percent of the Latino vote? You're asking the wrong person. Yeah. I, I never anticipated him. Get it. Well, but you and I, but we, we probably can bring those tapes back too, David, and play those and go, my gosh, what happened here? Uh, <laughs> no way, Trump is not a serious candidate. Um, and he, you know what? It could happen. I could see this. Could you see this happening? He gets to the convention. He goes, just kidding. <laughs> play all you idiots for a fool. Try my support behind Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Joe Biden. Um, you don't think that could happen? That could, that could happen, right? You know, this year, I, I wouldn't put money on you. You know, I, I have no idea. I'm, I don't particularly care for any of the candidates. Kasich uh, certainly has some uh, qualities that the others don't. I, I guess I've been a, I've been a, I've followed him since he was. Uh, in the House and did a heck of a job on balancing the budget and worked uh, with the Democrats as well. I followed him when he was on uh, Fox News as a contributor, uh-huh. and I followed him um, not not totally, but I, you know, I've been aware of what he's been doing in Ohio. I guess what you know isn't this the second time he's run for president? Uh, no, I don't think he ran before. Okay. I don't think you ran before. Maybe it was just just when he was running for getting a balanced budget and was on on a lot. May very I, well be. I find my disappointment in him right at the moment, and maybe it's his strategy. I don't know. But he's not near as forceful as he was during his uh, house. He is term. much more mellow. Yeah, and I was going to ask him about that tonight. I said, you know, uh, Governor, here's kind of the question I formulated. That I'd like to ask him. Maybe if he calls in, you can ask him. You you appear more mellow than you have been in the past. Is that a consequence of life experience? And how do you propose to up it a little bit to get people more excited about you, your candidacy, and, and, and America? So you're saying the same thing. Oh, I agree. I and mean, that's the only downs. My sister calls it 70s syndrome. She said he's like from the 70s. I don't think that's true. I, I just think he's, because I know people from the 70s. Okay? He's definitely not from the 70s. <laughs> uh, but what I see there is a man who's probably very comfortable in his own skin, very happy with who he is, and thus relaxed. Uh, he doesn't appear to get shaken up. He doesn't appear to get nervous. He doesn't appear to uh, really get bothered too much by things. And maybe that's what he needs a little bit more of. Maybe he needs a little bit more of that, I need to get a little more pissed off about this thing. Well, I, I think my issue, which addresses a lot of issues personally, or I think, is not immigration. But we have a very well. It it affects immigration as well. We have a very serious problem in the Middle East, and with the potential of homegrown and terrorists coming into the United States, mm-hmm. I don't think most of the public appreciates what we're going to be facing in the next few years. If for no other reason, I would like to see Kasich. 
Kasich's hot to trot about that. Um, you know, I, I think I think that's a valid point. I mean, to ask him about those issues. Um, the the things the thing is right now they're campaigning in a primary, and those are not the those are not primary issues generally speaking. Those are more general election issues. Now, the, the problem with him campaigning against Hillary is, um, from what we know, for example, of the bin Laden raid, for example, she advocated that, and Biden advocated against that. Hillary is a hawk. She's as neocon as many of the neocons. Where um, was she with Benghazi, then? I don't think she was anywhere. Didn't she have a concussion? <laughs> and she was uh, in La La Land. You, know, you is keep that bringing up Benghazi saying? like she magically orchestrated Benghazi. I mean, that's just an example of the incompetence of what was going on at the agency, and maybe just bad luck. Things just, just things do just happen sometimes. Um, and I don't think she wanted. I mean, Chris, that guy was her friend. I mean, I don't think he, she wanted that guy killed. Uh, but in many ways, she's Stevens. an absolute hawk. She's an absolute hawk on a lot of these issues. Um, uh, and I think part of that is because she's in the pockets of the big big companies. She's going to get donations from from the from the, from the military industrial complex, uh, and as a result, you're going to see uh, a lot of Democrats not vote for her. That's actually, I think, her biggest concern is Hillary is going to take is going to beat Sanders, and she's going to lose uh, that um, that impetus that 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 new participation that youth stuff, and unless she gets. Because you're seeing it right now. The numbers of people in Democratic primaries are way lower than it was in 08 and 2012. Uh, and uh, she is, uh, if that continues through the general election, she's got, a, she's got a big freaking problem. She's got a big freaking problem. Big, big, big problem. But Biden. Big, big problem. Now, i got to tell you, yesterday, I want to talk about this. Yes, yesterday was announced the arrest of an officer of Immigration and Customs Enforcement in New Jersey who was trading work permits for money and sex <laughs> over the last seven years. Um, really just uh, kind of a stunning development, uh, you would think. But when you Google uh, uh, ICE officers, uh, corruption, you get lots and lots of guys that have fallen victim. And I know a lot of just honorable, wonderful, hardworking ICE guys, and people curse me for that, but the people I know are doing their job. They're investigating fraud and, and sex trafficking and uh, uh, really bad stuff that's going on out there. And, and I admire the work that they do. Uh, it's been... Uh, it, rogue officers like this give them a bad name. But this is the problem. If you hire more people faster to work for that agency or, or the Border Patrol your standards necessarily have to go down. So when Trump or Cruz say we're going to double the Border Patrol, then you will quadruple the corruption. Then you will quadruple the people that are violating the law within the agency because you cannot con do a controlled hire that fast of enough good people uh, to really make sure that everything's being done properly. Yeah. Gee, are you talking about the TSA? Prime example. I mean, think about that. How, how fast they hired and who, they got, who worked for them. You think it would be any different at the Border Patrol? No, clearly it wouldn't. Uh, so it, it is something that we should be concerned about when we hear uh, from our friends at, uh, uh, at ICE, who, some of whom even tell me, hey, you know, we're concerned about a lot of hiring. You know, there's a lot of good guys we could hire, but there's some people that are coming in that shouldn't be ICE agents. They, they don't have the temperament. They don't have the intelligence. It requires a brain to do what a lot of these guys do. 
particularly the investigative work, is very, very difficult and very, very dangerous. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I shout out to them for, the, for, the, for that. I mean, they, they, they do good, hard work. I, I don't like the fact that they carry out some of their operations in ways that are deceptive and, and fraudulent and designed to coerce, because some of them do that as well. Uh, but I think that's where you have to draw a line. There are, there are good people and bad people in every agency. But to see this guy arrested yesterday, I just think, like, well, there you go. Um, it's just an example of why you have to be careful with rapid expansions of government. Now, here's one thing that's really got me yesterday about Trump. We're going to double with Border Patrol, which is, you know, that's going to cost you $8 billion. And ongoing. I mean, every year you're going to pay for that. We're going to build a wall that's $10 billion. But at the same time, he's going to reduce your taxes and shut the government down. How does that work exactly? How, how do you shrink the government and then add to the government's expenses? You can't do it on the backs of the poor. I mean, the, the, the program, the money we spend on stuff like WIC and, and welfare is a minuscule part of the federal government budget. Uh, unless you're talking about militarizing the border, and then that's a whole other animal which gets into the Posse Comitatus Act and all kinds of stuff you've got to be very, very, very careful about. Well, that's if you go by the Constitution. Uh, yeah, I, I, unlike Ted Cruz, who knows what the Constitution is and decides not to follow it specifically, I'm not sure that Donald Trump has actually ever read the Constitution. You ever hear him reference the Constitution? Ever? I'm not sure he's actually aware of what's in the Constitution in many ways. Um, Ted Cruz just chooses to selectively interpret it. Like when he says, Obama should nominate a nominee. Where is that in the Constitution exactly? Other than the part where it says the president shall, shall nominate a nominee. That Congress shall give their consent or not on the nominee. That's what you have to. This is a big joke to me. But it doesn't, it doesn't reference time. No. No, it doesn't. But it says shall. And uh, have you seen the uh, Biden tape from the Bush era? Have you seen all of the Biden tape from 92? Where he first says... The pre- if somebody retires, the president should nominate somebody. But then, like, eight minutes later, he says, but if you do, we will, of course, consider them. So, yeah, I've seen the Biden tape, and I've seen actually all of it. That's it for this week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I'm going to try to get us a guest for next week. Uh, I'm going to see if uh, uh, um, uh, candidate Margaret Stock, uh, who is candidate for the senatorial seat in Alaska, will join us for our show next week live. I'd love to have her talk about her plan, about her vision, and about where, where she goes forward and how we can help her become a United States Senator. That's not a good deal to you? Sounds like That's a plan. Until next week, this is the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.